the podcast where music meets sports. I'm Gannon Hannibal, and you're listening to What's the Score? What's the Score? Welcome to What's the Score? This is the podcast where music and sports collide. I'm Gannon Hannibal, your host, and we've got a very special guest today. This guy is a Frankenstein's monster of all of the qualities we like in a guest on What's the Score. He loves sports, he loves music, and he does a little bit of both. Andrew Kurland is my guest today. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Gannon, man. It's, it's good to hear your voice again. It's been too long since we've last seen each other, and I don't think I've ever been described as a Frankenstein's monster before, so that's a first. <laughs> hey, that's the best way I could think of describing it because, like I said, you, you do a little bit of music and sports, and, and you talked about, I mean, we ha- I haven't seen you in a long time. We've been, you know, stuck because of the pandemic, and the last time I saw you, we were at the Phoenix Speedway preparing for nascar media day and that's where that's where your kind of your niche is uh you're you're a nascar guy you've been involved uh, in the media for nascar for a long time i know you were almost a little kid prodigy in in a way because you started at such a young age how did that get started yeah and you know it's funny you mentioned that last time we saw each other was at the phoenix race that was the last normal nascar weekend as of right now um because you know the whole pandemic that's hit but yeah, it's kind of crazy. I look and this is, I lose track. It's either your six or seven uh, that I've been doing it. I started in 2014, literally against every single NASCAR media policy and rule there is. I had no credentials. I was wearing fan gear, just running up and, and ambushing people in the garage. And um, that's how it started. Totally off the books. And uh, I don't really know how I got away with it, but I did. And um throughout the years i've been able to slowly progress that relationship with nascar and the nascar media and it's been something that's just i i think about it it's just insane that it's even happening so but you know we're just getting started you know all that in the past is great but i'm only as good as the next one that i do so uh the fire is lit beneath me to, to keep going we love to hear a little bit of humility and dedication side by side. Uh, you, you mentioned that you have been around for six, seven years now, and, and you just wrapped up your freshman year of college. I mean, that's something that people dream of, being able to start that early in a, in a career that's really hard to break into, which is you know sports journalism. For, for you, I mean, six, seven years ago, you were a kid in junior high. What, what kind of obstacles did you have to face you know, when you're trying to talk to drivers as, at that time, literally just a kid? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's funny. I'll, I'll get every now and then people, keyboard warriors will, you know, be bold behind their phones and, and say like, oh, it was handed to you, like you did this and this. But even actually some people within the actual industry itself will say that, but it, it's, it, it's not the case. And you and I both know everything takes so much work and it does, nothing happens overnight. And at the beginning, it, it's hard to, to, state your credentials and be valid and and have the PR people trust that you're going to do a solid job and and make sure that it's worthy of their time that you're going to do uh, good stuff for them so it, it takes time to build up that credibility and it's taken so like this long and I still have room to grow but yeah at the beginning 
you get a lot of no responses and, and it'd be hard to schedule things and you have to capitalize on the big breaks you get. And it's really made it cool now is, you know, we've been able to kind of prove ourselves within the sport and um, the frequency of being able to get higher quality drivers and interviews and products has become a little bit easier because, because of that, you know, the hard work that was, as you mentioned, in junior high and kind of having to establish my footing at the very beginning. Yeah, well, I got a chance to see you in your in your comfort zone when we were at that Phoenix race back in March. Like you said, it was the last normal race. Things have really changed since then. But when I saw you there, I could tell you had built up such a rapport with these drivers. And, and the big thing that was almost palpable was you just have a passion for the sport of NASCAR. And, and you can tell that in the way that you interview drivers and in the way that you talk about the sport. And it's a sport that a lot of people, you know, aren't really into. I, I've had conversations with you about it. I didn't grow up watching NASCAR, that's for sure. It was almost just the running joke. Oh, yeah, what? They make four left turns. Okay, what's so complicated? Like, it's NASCAR. It was, it's, it's a sport that gets passed to the side for a lot of people. But obviously, it's something that you're really passionate about. Where did that really come from? Yeah, you know, I was, I was the same as everyone else. You know, I didn't understand. You know, what's the, what's the excitement behind NASCAR? It is four left turns. And I had that mentality for a while. But luckily, uh, uh, people say I'm a, just a miniature product of my dad. And, and that's really the case. You know, a lot of the same interests that he has, I have. And uh, he took me to a race way back in 2011. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I have a very clear memory uh, of leaving the race halfway through because my dad was coming back. He had to wake up early for the next morning. He was going back the next day. But this was just my one night. And I remember thinking, like, that's it? We're leaving already? Like, this is fantastic. So it, it took for me to get to a race for the first time. And I hope, I mean, I hope that you kind of experience the same thing of, you know, you don't quite understand what NASCAR is until you're actually there. And, and hopefully you saw the same thing at Phoenix. Is it's, it is so much more than that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, I when I got a chance – to see it in person, it really is a completely different brand than you think. I mean, you get there and you can just see it's it's such an exciting atmosphere. Everyone just feels like, even though they're competitors, there's almost a sort of camaraderie among the drivers and especially among the media members. And I think that was a really cool thing to see because, you know, as a, as a sports journalist, sometimes you get somewhere and it's just so cutthroat. And it was really relieving to go there and you see people, you know, just be so helpful and so kind to one another. And then the sport itself, it's completely different in person than you see on TV. Once you actually, you know, feel the roar of the engine in your, in your gut, it's just a completely different experience. And I, you've obviously seen it way more than I have. I've yet to even go to my first NASCAR race. Uh, I know that they have the, the Las Vegas Speedway is about 45 minutes from me. You had a chance to go to a race earlier, earlier this year, but, and you go to, I mean, plenty every week you were, it seemed like you were in and out of Speedway. So put that experience into words for people listening that haven't had the chance to see NASCAR in person. Yeah, no, you, you, you kind of, you put it a great way. I think first of all, so much of the a NASCAR experience is, is before the race. You look at the race and you're like, man, my day's basically almost over. Um, and and that, you don't get that in sports, in different sports. You go and you sit down, you, you wait for the game to start, and then the action started. But I feel like once the race starts, most of my day is behind me. And it's all about what you can do at the racetrack. NASCAR, in my opinion, 
puts on, and this is obviously before coronavirus, right now we're in a completely different world, but in a normal world, they put on an experience for the race fans that I think could be equivalent to a, a Super Bowl-like-esque fan experience every weekend in terms of the amount of experiences you can do before the races. They have concerts, they have um, booths, you can hop in cars, you can walk through the garage, up and down pit road. And, and that's part of it is getting up close and personal to it. And then yes, the race starts and you don't quite understand what 200 miles looks like until it's coming at you at your face and it whizzes by you. It, it is unbelievable. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil everything because part of it is I'm trying to get people to get back to the racetrack. So if you really want to see, find out for yourself too. <laughs> Look at that. I don't know how much they paid you for that, for the advertising there. <laughs> But it's, it's impressive work for sure. As you said, things are totally different right now. I know NASCAR was one of the first sports to come back. I think it was back in May. Uh, they, they started racing again, obviously, with all, all new guidelines, fans, social distance. It was a completely different experience than you had before. But they were one of the first sports to really get back out and you know competing. And they obviously were a, a major talking point in national media because of the Bubba Wallace story that came through. And they've been getting quite a lot of new publicity over the course of the last few months just because of the lack of sports. Uh, how, how do you think that's those two things have really impacted the, the view of NASCAR as a whole? You know, they had this national media controversy of sorts that was all over the place. And then you also they were one of the few sports that was actually running in the United States. And so that probably attracted some viewers as well. How much do you think that changed NASCAR's tent as a, as a sports industry? Yeah. You know, I think since NASCAR returned earlier this year, I think they've done a great job in keeping fans interested in, and bringing new people in. And I, I want to say this too. I don't think they were racing to be the first sport back to be the first sport back. I really do think once we got up and running again, they had a great plan in place. Uh, they've kept cases to a minimum. Uh, you really, you haven't heard of many incidents that have happened at the racetrack with coronavirus. Um, you know, Jimmy Johnson obviously tested positive and, and missed a race. There were a couple crew members uh, at the shop who tested positive. But outside of that, I feel like they've done a good job. And, and that's the most important part is doing it right and I feel like they've done a lot of good PR moves in this return to sports um, in terms of just doing it the right way. And then, yeah, of course, Bubba Wallace being thrown into the spotlight is something that obviously has kind of left people in mixed places. But I think Bubba Wallace has done a fantastic job representing the sport. Uh, but, you know, the – the move to get rid of the Confederate flag was super controversial and obviously left a lot of the fan base mixed, which is unfortunate, but that's how they see it. But I think they've done a lot of things that have been really good for the sport and we're long time coming. And hopefully it's, we can see more of that in the years to come. Yeah. I think, like you said, it, it, it did receive some mixed reactions, some of the moves that they made, but I think for the most part, I know I was pretty blown away by after the Bubba Wallace incident, you saw all of the drivers come together and they were all, I mean, there was the, I stand with Bubba, you know, that was, and even though it ended up turning out to be something that it wasn't, you know, the, the situation itself was different than it was originally perceived. I think the fact that 
all of those drivers were so willing to jump to the defense of their fellow competitor that quickly. It says a lot about the sport. Uh, I yeah, think. I know. It, 100% you put it that way. And I'm, I tweeted this out after, and even though it ended up not being the situation we thought it was, no doubt in my mind, every driver in that garage would do it again. And, and that's the coolest part is the sense of community. And you come for one of us, all of us will come back at you. And that's one of the coolest things. And I, honestly, out of my entire years of watching NASCAR, no photo finish or incredible wreck amounted to that moment. That honestly was my favorite moment to see the entire sport in unity and come to the aid of someone who needed it was just the coolest thing in the world. And, and that just goes to show, I mean, you really, it, people say it's like a family, but it really is. Like my favorite part about going to races isn't to see the cars running around on the track or walk around in the garage. It is the people I get to see and, and the people that I've met along the way, which is what has been my favorite part about being in the sport is the, the community and the sense of family. As you said, the, the culture within NASCAR is very, it's family. It really does feel like everyone is very tight knit. You can see that in your, in your interviews that you have with, with the drivers and because something that you do with your family is you play games and that's something that I've seen you do quite a bit. You, you always seem to pull out new games. I know you had one with Bubba Wallace and I, I got to see you do one with uh, an Xfinity series driver back in Phoenix. And so I'm actually, I have a surprise for you. We're going to play some word sneak right now. Oh I, man. I, awesome. I, I know word sneak is your go-to game. Uh, I got to see you play that back in Phoenix with, with some drivers. And so I I'm excited to be the host today. You get to be the, the yeah. interviewee on word sneak for those listening that don't know what this game is all about. It, it's originally from Jimmy Fallon and word yeah. sneak. <laughs> it's uh, I, I'll let, I'll let you explain it. It's your game that you do all the time. So go for it. Well, yeah, no, you, you put it that exactly. I, I did kind of take it from Jimmy Fallon, but, um, you know, why not? It's best copying is the best por uh, form of flattery, but basically, uh, how, I don't know how many words you have, but we're going to have a little conversation, five words, and we got to sneak it into the conversation. So I'm man, I'm excited. I haven't seen these words. Have you? No, I actually haven't. So I, I have my, my creative director, AKA my mom, I had her come up with, with five words for each of us. I have not seen them. Uh, I like I, it. I have the, your five words copied to my clipboard right now. So I'm about to put okay. them in the chat on this Zoom. And I have this <laughs> note right here that I've yet to open. And I'm about to find out my five words and we're going to get started. That's awesome. I will say you have a little bit more integrity than I do because I've, I come up with all the words myself. And I do start to think about like, ah, oh, how would I use this? But I do my best. I let the driver choose the list of words too so that I don't quite get that advantage. But all right, I'm excited about this. All right, well, I just put your words in the chat. I'm about to see mine for the first time here. And oh boy, okay. All right, well, just to get started here, uh, I know we've been talking about NASCAR. You've got these drivers and they're, they're in all sorts of equipment and you're out there and you're, you got your microphone and you're walking around in the heat all day. Do you ever get sweaty when you're, when you're walking around in, in the media uh, with NASCAR? Yeah. You know, I think it, it all depends on the weather, obviously when it, it, when you look at the calendar in the NASCAR season, Early on, when you get into the February and March, you know, it's still kind of winter. It's not that cold. It's not too rambunctious. But
but when it gets into the summer months, it's very bad. Like in June, it's horrible. It's the worst. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine sometimes that heat is just completely obnoxious when you're when you're out there in the middle of the summer. It's just it's the sweats beating down on you. But it's it's all about the love of the sport, and and I'm sure you get you get quite the tingle out of just you know being out there enjoying the sport you love. Is that really just how exciting it is? Do you, do you just get a tingle of excitement being able to to see these athletes in their in their comfort zone? Yeah, no, it, it's fantastic. I love walking around the garage and, and, but it gets tiring, you know, and sometimes you got to sit and, and take a break and get off your feet. You know, it, it's, it's a, it's a busy day that you have. And, uh, you know, I have a quick story again, if I could share one. Yeah, please. So I was walking around the garage, enjoying everything. And, um, you know, I'll have to admit, I was a little bit bloated. It was, it was kind of tough to do my job. And so I had to take a little bit of a, of a break and, and go to the bathroom. That's what's most important is as a journalist, you, you got to know when it's time to take a break so you can be back at your element and you, you're, when you're back at 100%. So piece of advice, when you're covering a sport or event, don't ever eat lettuce. It's no good. Wow. See, no, I haven't yeah, heard that's, that. That's what, that's giving me stomach trouble. So stay away from the lettuce. I have not heard lettuce before. What I have heard is to avoid cheesy foods. I know cheesy oh, really? foods are typically, I mean, especially if you're, if you're lactose intolerant, you definitely want to avoid cheesy foods, but I think it's just a rule of thumb across the board. If you're a journalist, always avoid cheesy foods because that's uh, they, they can have some, some vicious consequences for sure. Yeah. You know, I actually heard that being on an empty stomach sometimes works best because you're kind of, you're hungry for yourself to eat food and you're hungry to get that best next interview and take. I actually learned that from Sandra Bullock. It's an acting technique she uses is she always acts on an empty stomach so that she gets the best possible take. That's just incredible. I, I mean, Sandra Bullock, obviously, she's a phenomenal actress. Uh, I, I loved her movie that came out uh, with Ryan Reynolds, The Proposal, that uh, came out. That was back uh, probably, I don't know, eight, nine years ago. But that's a family favorite for sure. Uh, lots of good laughs out of that movie. There's plenty of, you know, yeah, there's plenty of funny scenes. I, I remember they have the, the little poodle in there that's, that's kind of obnoxious and won't stop barking. And so definitely Ryan Reynolds, I'm sure he has some great acting techniques as well. But I, I love that movie with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, no, they're fantastic together. So, um, you know, it's just the, the the tricks you learn along the way. I think. Did, did you get did through you all your words? I had all five. I we're think good. I got online. We're good to go. <laughs> that was awesome. That just was amazing. fantastic. I, I was. I, I couldn't quite figure out how to get to bloated necessarily, so I kind of had to do some circling to get there, but. <laughs> I appreciated you. I was trying to figure out a way to slide Ryan Reynolds into the conversation. And then you, <laughs> you hit me with Sandra Bullock and I was like, hold on, they were in a movie together. I know this. And, and so that, that, that helped me out. Cause I was sitting there trying to brainstorm ways to name drop Ryan Reynolds. I don't think I would have made that connection. I'm not as movie savvy, but, um, I know Sandra Bullock is an actor, so or actress, so I got all that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm not super movie savvy either, but I know something that you are is you are music savvy, and that's going to be my smooth transition right there. I love it. That was perfect. Beautiful. We're we're both music guys. Obviously, we're both music lovers. We've talked about it in the past. You are specifically a, a huge fan of a certain genre that goes right hand in hand with NASCAR, and that's country music. Uh, I I know. 
me, I'm not a guy that's always listening to country music, but I think there are certain artists that are just phenomenal. Uh, I, I remember I did a countdown last year of like my 30 favorite songs of the year and Morgan Wallen's cover of Cover Me Up came in at like number four. That was one of my favorite songs to come out in 2019. And I know the guy that's big for you is Eric Church. I, I've seen you in, in classes at Arizona State. You've got the Eric Church merchandise uh, all over. What, what exactly has Eric Church done to influence you as a person? Oh man, I get to talk about Eric Church now. That's awesome. Of course. You sure? You cut me off if I'm talking too much, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I got a lot to say about him. No, but uh, one thing that's always I've loved is with some artists, they don't write all their songs. And, And a lot of them, you look at an album, they write one or two. And it's like, yeah, you're hearing their songs, you're hearing their voice, but you don't quite necessarily feel like they're speaking to you and one thing i've always loved about eric church and especially now in quarantine he writes he's written all but three of his songs and that's been one of the coolest things is whenever i turn an eric church song on i know i am hearing this from him and he penned it himself and and that's just been so cool and he's got a a rock and roll country kind of blend that to him that's just you can jam out when you want to, and then you can slow it down and, and really get uh, get your soul um, in it. And and just he he's got a great mix of fast and slow songs. And uh, man, he it just comes from the heart, and that's what's the most important part. For sure, I, I think I mean even Eric Church for me as someone who's not the biggest country music fan, but can get into it every once in a while. I mean he's tied to some great memories for me. I. I actually got a chance to see him in concert in, in really? yeah, in 2011 when, or it might've been 2012 when my, my brother got married in November and all of my dad's family, all of my cousins on that side, they're huge country music fans. And so they came to Las Vegas for the wedding and we all went out to the, the MGM Grand Garden Arena in, in Las Vegas and saw Eric Church and opening for him was actually Kit Moore and Justin Moore. So... Oh. Just a wonderful lineup, and that was actually the second concert I ever went to. My first concert was was Lincoln Park, who has a, a special place in my heart as Eric Church does for you. But Eric Church was actually the second concert I ever went to, and he put on. I remember quite the show, and I know at that at that wedding that my brother had that same weekend, "Drink in My Hand" was was played yeah. uh, during the wedding, and it's just it's such a fun song you can you can jam out to, and that's one of many songs on on Chief, his that album that obviously has reached such critical acclaim. It was one. It's one of just very. I mean, almost every song on that album comes up on my playlist every once in a while, and I, I think of "Drink in My Hand" and Springsteen come to the top of my head for sure as two of my favorite country songs ever. Yeah, no, and and you, man, Kit Moore and Eric Church. I recently really got into Kit Moore, so that is an unbelievable lineup. But yeah, he he has the ability to put on one of the best shows ever. I mean, you look at a set list of of big time artists. And they play maybe 23, 25 songs. This dude now has no opening act. He plays for three and a half hours each night with an intermission, up to 40 songs, two nights in a row for 60 cities. It is insane. And that's part of the thing that I've always loved is he's always trying to challenge himself. What can he do to top what he previously did? And I I look at that as, as something that I'm trying to do myself. And he's just the 
at least for me, and, and I know you have the same, you need someone that you can relate to and that really speaks your language. And he checks all those boxes numerous times. But man, you saw him before. I, I, I first saw him in 2017. I would have loved to have been there, 2011 concert. That would have been cool. I, I'm not going to let you forget it now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure <laughs> I use that as a point of bragging rights from now on. I saw Eric yeah. Church before the diehard Eric Church fan. Um, <laughs> that no, Like you said, that lineup was awesome. Uh, Kip Moore was, was great, and as was Justin Moore. I know Kip Moore's song, Hey Pretty Girl, was probably another one of my favorite country music yeah. songs of all time. I think that's just an awesome, you know, almost like a wedding song, like ballad. Uh, Zach Brown Band is another country country genre that I, I get into. I, I love a lot of what he puts out. Obviously, he's kind of going more of the pop route recently, but but I think country music, it's it's something that's like NASCAR is with sports. It's something that's kind of cast aside as, as, as a niche, as something that only a few people can get into. And I think a lot of people are surprised when they actually get into country music. What do you think, how much has it influenced you just the entire genre of country music we've obviously talked about eric church but country music as a whole how much has that influenced you in your personal life yeah no and and i'll start with what you said is it's a niche thing and i wear that on my sleeve i take so much pride in the fact that you know i i listen to something even you can go people like country music but not a i have never met really an eric church fan before or kit moore fan and i i take pride in, in the fact that I love it and I can listen to it. And I think country music just, it has the ability to tell so many beautiful stories in, in, in so many different ways is what I've always loved about it. And I've always lived my life kind of with lyrics and there's always a lyric that I'll listen to and it'll connect with me in a certain way. And I'll be like, okay, I'm not the only one or I, this makes sense to me now. And it's really been able to guide me at least very much the last couple of years is, is just listening to lyrics and really diving into songs and how they're crafted and created and finding lines that relate to me and make me feel like, okay, if they're singing about it, then I can't be the only one who thinks this way. And it's, it's very comforting, you know, to, to not be alone in that sense. Yeah, regardless of genre, I think that's what music yeah. can do. And, and I think that's that's what's so addicting about music to me is that no matter who the artist or genre is, I feel like I can always find solace in, in a lyric. And like you said, I, I mean, I think back to Eric Church, the song Springsteen, you got that connection of a melody and a memory. And that's that's a feeling that a lot of people have but can't put into words. And he put it into words and was able to make it catchy too, which is something that not very yeah. many people are able to accomplish I, I know you have taken your you've taken music into your your own grasp recently. I I've seen you on social media. You've got this new account, Andrew Curlin Music. You are it's it's you and your guitar is what I've seen. And I know you're you're writing your own music. You you're playing the guitar. What when did that start? Is that something you've always done, or is that recent? No, that's a quarantine thing. That is, um, it was something that I guess the beginning of 2020 I started writing a couple of songs. And I just, I didn't, I had no guitar experience at all. Maybe taken four or five lessons a couple of years before, but never really touched it. And it was, I, I wrote a song at ASU and didn't really have 
anything to put it to. There were no chords I can strum. It was just kind of like, all right, I can sing it or like there's no music part of it. So I knew when I was coming home, I had to pick up guitar. It was just like, how could I like music this much and not know how to play an instrument? And it's kind of funny. You look at 2020 and this year is kind of year you want to forget, but in so many ways, I wouldn't trade this year for the world. And, and that's because it gave me a head start on being able to pick up guitar. And it's been an unbelievable outlet to have me find ways to speak my mind in ways I've never been able to before. And it took a while, you know, first you're just starting out with chords and you can barely play anything. And I like looking back at videos back in March. I'm like, man, I thought that was good. Like that was, I could barely strum. And, and to be able to see where you can go in a short time has been really cool. And to be able to write songs I've written, I think I just finished song number 19 um, with full chords and, and completed and everything, which has been really cool. And I, you know, just to have a song that you own and that's yours. And it's like, it's coming from my voice has been really neat. And it's just been an unbelievable while. And I know you, you've said you started writing some songs and I saw you have guitar too. So, you, you know, man, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You and I have a lot of parallels this year because yeah. I, I have always written music. I mean, it's always been something that I've done as an outlet and it's such a powerful thing to be able to put the feelings that you have going on in your head. that are sometimes hard to verbalize or sometimes easier to put into lyrics. And like you said, it's something that's your own, you know, it's, you can, you can go back and revisit it years, months down the line and see, it's almost like a time capsule of sorts. You know, oh, th this is where I was in March of 2019 or in April of 2020. You know what I mean? Like you can go back and revisit moments in your life from your own perspective, from your own words. And it's a powerful thing for sure. And I I've attempted to pick up the guitar this year. I, I think you've made more progress than me for sure, because I've, I've only learned two or three songs, but I, I think it is, it's, it's something that's, totally unique to be able to have that ability to to verbalize those feelings in a way that that no one else can and, and learning guitar is a tough tough task and I, yeah. I like to see that you've been maximizing the the 2020 quarantine experience by by trying to pick up something new I think that's that's awesome yeah no you you use the word that I use all the time is time capsule and uh, there was there was a song it was one of the really the first songs I've written and it was at ASU remember exactly where I was and it's a song about how I felt one specific night and I had about 60% of it done and later way later maybe a month ago two months ago I look at it again having learned a little bit of guitar and I went and finished it and it wasn't it didn't really reflect how I felt then where as I did when I wrote it the first time but I knew I had to finish it because it has that ability to trap every emotion and feeling into one song and it is there for eternity i think that's the coolest part about it and i knew i had to finish it because it stopped and froze that moment in time that's what's so cool about it yeah 100 percent. i couldn't agree more as you were describing that i was thinking back to i i had moments like that back at school as well i mean back in arizona i i know that there were moments where I would just have one night where I had a certain feeling that I had never had before. And I was like, okay, I gotta be able to put this down somewhere. And I think for me writing music, it's, it's like it is for some people when it is like writing in a diary, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's that same level of outlet where you're able to put it into words and then you look back on it a few months later and you're like, what? No, no way. I was feeling
feeling like that. Like that isn't anything reminiscent of how I am now. But still, I mean, I still think it's so important to have those benchmarks to see the progress that you've made as an individual uh, and, and being able to put it in that in that format is is hard to do, but it's it's very fulfilling when you're able to accomplish it. Uh, for me, I know I always write music and sometimes I'll record it just using instrumentals I'll find online. And I, I usually just keep that stuff to myself, but I've seen you, you've posted some of your music on social media. Do you have plans to go, go release it on streaming services and such down the line? Yeah, that's actually funny. You mentioned that. So, um, I recently got equipment to be able to finally record and, and, um, and document it. And I think, you know, it's important to record it. And I think I've narrowed it down. I've written 19 songs. Some of them just are playing crap. Like, you know, you'll get some of those, but then <laughs> oh, they're yeah. the, the big heavy hitters that you're like, man, th these are great. Um, so I've, I've narrowed it down to 11 or 12 songs, even in the order. And it's going to be just acoustic with some extra little pieces to it, maybe uh, electric guitar. But um, I've actually, it's, it's so funny you mentioned that I've recorded about half of it. I'm going to record a few more this week and then I want to get it out and have everything recorded before I leave home to go back to ASU because these 12 songs represent my musical experience and journey from beginning of quarantine to right now. So, um, I'll say coming soon. <laughs> Dude, this is, this is amazing to find these parallels because I've honestly had a very similar experience during quarantine. I've, I've written probably, like you said, like 15-ish songs. Some of them I just really? hate. Yeah. And I think it's this whole quarantine experience has really been like a surge of creative energy for me. And it, what's cool is for you, I mean, you're learning guitar a lot faster than I am. So I, I might be a few months delayed. Uh, but I, oh, that's all right. But I think, I think it's something that a lot of people uh, wish that they could do. And it's something that I really want to be able to try and accomplish. And it looks like you're taking the steps to get there to be able to put your music out there, which isn't a hard thing to do, especially, you know, when you're going into a field of journalism. Uh, so much of journalism is about maintaining a certain image. Like you have to be Andrew Curland, the NASCAR guy. And I think some people are really afraid to be able to put out, you know, their own creative, uh, creative pieces and stuff like that. And so, how, how has that been for you trying to, is that a tough obstacle for you to be able to think about separating Andrew Curlin, the journalist from Andrew Curlin, the musician? Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's been helpful. I'm going to have to wait and see because it's been a way for me to pass time when the NASCAR world's working a little bit slower. Um, but I would call it extremely rewarding and fulfilling for, I've always said, if I ever learn to play guitar, I'm not telling a soul until I'm decent enough to just come out and surprise people. And that happened um, earlier in the year in uh, May. And since then, I, then I then I made my Instagram account. Once I surprised those people with guitar, I made an Instagram account. And when I first posted that first song, it was just the most rewarding, fulfilling thing ever. And it's been it's just been so cool to, to post that outlet. And okay, I have to ask you a question here. Are you bringing your guitar to ASU? Yeah, and, and we're 100% gonna have some jam sessions uh, we are, down we in are Phoenix. Doing it. We and, are and, doing it. 
you're going to teach me some chords that I haven't learned yet and and I'm going to share some lyrics with you and, and we're going to we're going to share some of this musical experience for sure because it seems like we've had a very similar 2020 in terms of finding that musical outlet through quarantine. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I have a song idea for you that I'm going to save it for a rainy day and we're going to work on it together because I think it it could be very very cool. Um but yeah, we got to we got to jam out. And, and here's the thing, like, I was actually extremely surprised by how quickly I was able to pick up guitar. And I think the most important part is you got to just play what you want to play. And that was, I took lessons and they're te- teaching me songs that I didn't care to, to play and didn't care about. And it's just like, all right, I'm not that interested. But once I finally, like my goal was playing Eric Church song and then it was play two Eric Church songs. And then that's when you get interested and hooked. So Come a couple of weeks from now, you're bringing your guitar, man, and we are having some jam out sessions, and we're gonna ha- we're gonna make some big progress for the end of 2020. I I love to hear it. I love to see that you know this podcast is coming full circle here. You and I are both <laughs> leaving with a little bit of uh, something to look forward to on the outside of when the mics are turned off and and what the score is wrapped up, and so. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm, I'm excited to bring my guitar and jam out with you in Phoenix for Do sure. It. And uh, as, as we get ready to, to wrap up the podcast here, do you have any words of advice for people that are we'll, – we'll start with people that are interested in sports journalism because you got started at such a young age. If someone's listening right now, let's say they're in high school, they're in junior high, they want to be a sports journalist, whether it's NASCAR or any sport, what's your best advice you can give to someone that's coming up in this field? Yeah, I was talking uh, with some people this weekend about that. And, and you know, it, it's a big relationship world. It is totally about who you know and, and keeping those relationships up. And uh, right now, those have, I've cashed in on those in quarantine because when you don't have the opportunity to go and interact and, and connect with people and meet people, you have to lean back on who you know to keep your journalism career alive in a time where you can't be out connecting with people in person so those connections are big time and it's all about keeping those connections alive and and just be yourself you know be your nice genuine self and and people will will like you back is is what i've found so the relationship world as you know is big time if you can keep those bold relationships they pay off down the road i couldn't agree more and i i'm excited to see, I'll definitely be having you back on this show sometime down the line in a, yes. in a few months when, when your your album's out and you, you are uh, a published musician on streaming services. We'll give you some free promo here on What's the Score. And then obviously you and I will, will make sure we'll get down and jam in Phoenix and I'll make sure to, to post the results if they come out looking good. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, this is the thing. Don't find any more YouTube soundtracks. We're creating everything original with just us and our guitars. That's the most important part. Amazing. Amazing. I, cu- I couldn't be more excited. Uh, thank you, Andrew Curlin, for, for joining me here on What's the Score. I know uh, you're Andrew Curlin TV on Twitter. Andrew Curlin Music is the, is the music side of you. And so make sure to check out Andrew Curlin and all of his NASCAR material and him and his guitar putting out some music onto social media and hopefully soon onto Spotify and all that too. Cannon, man, it was great talking to you. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I cannot wait to see you in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited.